The following program is sponsored by the friends and partners of Time of Grace. I want to talk to you today about God and money. You look thrilled. <laughs> I told my dad at lunch today what I was going to preach on today. I'm going to talk about God and giving and generosity. And he looked at me and said, I'm not coming. <laughs> but I think he showed up today. And, and I hope you give me just at least two minutes to convince you that you should stay here too. I know I'm a pastor and I know lots of you have had bad experiences with churches asking for money. If that wasn't bad enough, you might have noticed we have cameras in our church that this message is going to be on TV and if you're watching on TV, it's probably worse, right? A guy on television telling you to give money to ministry. Uh, we've all heard enough stories to realize this doesn't always turn out well. Before you kind of cross your arms though and, and check out or walk out the door or change the channel, I want to say three really quick things. Uh, and here's the first one. I, I am not that kind of pastor. I try to be pretty transparent with you uh, when I speak here in church and confess the things that I struggle with. And there's a lot of things I struggle with, but I, I thank God that the love of money and, and the greed and wanting more stuff from you has never really been a, a struggle in my life. I know it's easy for a, a pastor to say and maybe difficult to believe, so I brought some pictures to prove that that's true. Take a look at the first picture. Uh, this is my car. Uh, my next door neighbor, when he found out our, our church is going to put messages on TV, he said, are you going to get a helicopter? <laughs> but this is the only helicopter I have, a, a Chrysler town and country. I am this close to hitting 200,000 miles. And if you cut a million dollar check to our church today, you know what I would be driving next week? A Chrysler town and country. I'm going to drive it into the ground or until Jesus comes back. Right, here's my second picture. Uh, this is the couch in my house. Uh, I got this off a of Craigslist from Moses, like way, way back in the day. This is, my couch is old enough to drive my Chrysler town and country. The, it's not a bad picture. Those are stains on the left cushion. The middle one is torn. My wife despises this couch. In fact, my family started a fund to buy a new couch a couple Christmases ago, and I spent the money on something else because I'm going to hold on to it until Jesus comes back. And you could write a $2 million check today, and I will keep that same couch in, in my living room. Or how about one more picture? This is my closet. Uh, these are all, what, seven shirts that I own. <laughs> all the shirts up top, those belong to my wife. She's taken over 80% of the closets. I have one suit. I'm a pastor. I own one suit for weddings, funerals, all the fancy things in between. And if you wrote a $3 million check to our ministry, I'd be wearing the same shirt next Sunday. And so I want to tell you that this, what I'm about to tell you, is not about that. It's not about fancy cars. It's not about bigger homes um, you could give crazy generously more than you ever have before and I would drive the same car, wear the same stuff, live in the same neighborhood and not change my standard of living. Today is not about getting something from you. Uh, my hope and my prayer is that God is going to give something to you. That's the first thing I want to say. Second thing I want to say is that if you're kind of new to this and you're not convinced that Jesus is the greatest treasure in the world, uh, I don't want you to give anything when this message is done. Like, if your girlfriend brought you here to church today, your, your significant other, if you just stumbled across this program watching TV, and you're not convinced, like, Jesus is worthy of everything. Like, if he's not the sun in your universe that everything orbits around, if you're not convinced he is awesome, 
amazing and worthy of every dollar and every cent that you own. I don't want you to give a single dollar or a single cent. We believe that giving here at our church is a get to and not have to. It's something we want to do because we've met Jesus and he is so generous and so good that we can't wait to give so that people can hear about his name. And so if you haven't heard that name just yet or you're not convinced it's worthy to be worshipped, you're totally off the hook today. No guilt trips, no fees, no dues, no expectation. Just let uh, the basket pass you by. And here's the third thing. If you do believe Jesus is worthy to be worshipped, the Jesus you worship, the Jesus you love, the Jesus you trust, Do you know what he said about giving? I'll show you a passage from Acts chapter 20. The Lord Jesus himself said, it is more blessed to give than to receive. (laughs) So the, the Jesus who is God, who knows everything, actually said, what would be even better for you than me giving you a $100 bill today is you giving a $100 bill as an offering. He didn't say it's like, well, you know, it's something you have to do or you really should do. He says, if you, if you want to be more blessed, then don't just try to get, set your heart to give. But that's pretty difficult to believe, isn't it? <laughs> I mean, when you're a kid, you definitely don't believe this. You can't wait to get the birthday presents. You, you care less about your little sister's birthday. You can't wait till it's yours because the, the presents come. And even as we grow older, it's tough to shake ourselves of that idea. But about a month ago, I had this light bulb moment and I realized why that makes total sense. My light bulb moment was when I was sitting down trying to write a check to give to our church and I hesitated. But to understand why that was a light bulb moment though, I need to tell you a little bit of my financial story. Uh, when, it, when it comes to people who've lived on this planet, God, I, I think, has spoiled me rotten with money. I mean, I was born in 1980 in the United States of America to an upper middle class family, which is crazy. (laughs) Like by world standards, I'm uber rich. But you know what happened not too long ago? Uh, I was scared to give. It was like my quarterly taxes kind of lined up with a tuition payment for our kids going to Christian school and they were going to do piano lessons so I had to write that check and I actually missed two weeks of giving to church. I was putting like three week's offerings t- together and, and we made this commitment to give a certain percentage of our income to the homeless in our community and I haven't actually budgeted for that yet and I'm looking at the numbers and I like hesitate with the pen and I was scared to give. And it hit me, if, if God has stacked like the finances in my favor for my entire life and, and I can be afraid to give, now what's it like when your financial story has been harder? What's it like for those of you that don't have two full-time incomes? You have one or a half or you're searching for work. What's it like when when you graduated with thousands, tens of thousands of dollars of student loans and then you meet someone who also has tens of thousands of dollars in student loans? What's it like when you're trying to budget for the wedding? What's it like when you're trying to pay for the funeral? What's it like when you're trying to give the lawyers back the crazy amount of money they asked for the process of your divorce? What's it like when there's uncertainty at your job and you might have an income today but you're not sure tomorrow? I mean, if, if it scares me sometimes to give, what's it like to be the church? And, and so the number 39%, it, it didn't shock me. It, it made total sense. 
Because you can live in first world America and you can love Jesus and you can believe he's good and forgiving. And, and yet when that pen comes out or you, or you open up the app to give financially, it's, something stops you and that something is fear. And so when that light bulb went on, I realized what, what I have to share with you today is not how, but why. I, I preach a lot of messages about how to give. You know, here are the options. You can write a check. You can go to the app. You can go uh, set up a, a payment online on our website. And, and here's what giving looks like. You know, God says you make a plan and you pray about it and you pick a percentage and you give repeatedly with pleasure because you know Jesus become a, a 5P giver. But, but I realize all that, it just won't work. It won't deal with your fear unless we tackle the question, why? Why, why don't we Christians need to be afraid to give? Why don't we need to hesitate, even though this or this or this or all these things might happen before the check is even cashed? I know today, uh, if we're going to become generous people, if we're going to have a strong give root as people and as a church that produces the fruit of joy and peace and kindness, we're going to have to answer that question, why? Which is why I love this part of the Bible. About 2,000 years ago, the, the Apostle Paul uh, wrote a letter that you can find in the New Testament called 2 Corinthians. And in a big chunk of that letter is Paul's encouragement to a group of Christians who felt just like that. Uh, the Corinthians apparently had made this commitment that they were going to give a generous offering to help the poor believers in Jerusalem. But between their commitments and the actual giving of the gift, uh, they felt fear and they hesitated. And so when Paul writes them this letter, he actually spends two entire chapters. I think it's the longest section in the entire Bible on financial giving. And I wish I had time to walk through all those chapters today, but I'm just going to zero in on three verses, three things that the Apostle Paul says. And in those three verses, we're going to find incredible motivation to become generous people. So if you have your Bible with you or you just want to follow along on the screen, let's jump into 2 Corinthians chapter 9. We're going to begin today with verse 6. Paul says, remember this. Whoever sows sparingly will also reap sparingly. And whoever sows generously will also reap generously. Now, let's not understand Paul clearly. This isn't like a, a pyramid scheme that he's running. This isn't a way just like to get more money and use God as the tool in the process. Uh, Paul's not saying that if you give 50 bucks today, by next season, there'll be 100 in return. Although, do you know what happened Two days ago, as I was working on this sermon, <laughs> God has a crazy sense of humor. I, I leave my office on the other side of that wall. I come in here. I, I go through my message one time, about a half hour. I go back into my office and I start typing and I look and there's something sticking under my keyboard and I, I lift it up and it's a $100 bill. And I look around like, what? <laughs> like an angel fly this here? And I go down the hallway to my coworker. I'm like, Tom, like, was, that, was anyone in my office? He says, yeah, some random guy just rang the doorbell and he just gave a hundred bucks that he wanted to give it to the church. <laughs> and I thought, yeah, God. <laughs> I mean, God has resources that we don't know anything about. You know, they don't end up in the budget, but, but God is able to bless us in incredible ways. And God might bless you that way. If you bring him in the middle of your finances, he, he might bless you financially or he might bless you in, in better ways. The harvest that you reap might not be more money. It just might be better relationships or more trust in God or more joy in spiritual things. 
Your standard of, of living might decrease slightly as your standard of giving increases, but God says at the end of the season, you will not regret it. And some of you are wise enough to know that, that what you give to support the spread of the gospel makes you a part of the harvest of the gospel. And so when we put our hands together and, and we praise God that a woman is baptized right here in Jesus' name, you, you realize that even if your hand never touches the water, you were a part of that. And the, the church that existed that she got connected to, the, the staff that she met with to learn about Jesus, you, you were a part of that. And you reap generously with every beautiful story. I think about the new member videos that we play at our church. P people who say, you know, I, I, I didn't really grow up in church. I didn't know that much about Jesus. And then I came and I took the class and, and I joined a group and, and I'm so excited about my spiritual future. And even if you didn't teach the class and, and you weren't leading the group, I mean, you were a part of that. Do you believe that? Like, when, when you gave, you helped change a person's eternity. <laughs> and the best part is that most of it you don't even see. Which people did I meet with this morning in my office? You have no clue. But if it wasn't for you, I wouldn't be here and there wouldn't be an office to meet in. And so the scripture we shared and the hope and the encouragement, you were a part of that. Which marriages were this close to falling apart after the affair, but we met and your pastoral staff counseled them and they stayed together and they're thriving and they're still here? Well, I can't tell you that, but you were a part of that. Which people from, from our community texted me this past month and felt so ashamed because of some sexual sin, they didn't even feel worthy to come into church, but I got to tell them immediately that there was forgiveness and grace at the cross of Jesus. And I didn't have to wait till after work. This is my work because of you. You were a part of that. And little kids who stand on these stairs and they sing, Jesus loves me, this I know. These little five-year-olds who go to our Christian school, you might not be their teacher, you might not have taught them that song, but if, if you give, you, you were a part of that. <laughs> and the more I think about that, like lives are changed and people are being saved and sin is washed away. I hope that even though you're not right in the middle of it, you, you actually are. And every time you give, it might seem so small, but you are reaping generously. And the more you see that, the more this cycle of generosity just starts to snowball. You you, you give money and then you hear the stories and you reap generously, which makes you want to sow even more generously and, and giving instead of being this reluctant have-to becomes this incredible get-to. In fact, if you're taking notes, I'd love for you to write that down. Well, what's the first reason why we would give today? And Paul's answer is because givers get. <laughs> we, we get blessed. We get to be a part of something amazing. We get to join God in his mission to save people and to change lives. But to quote the infomercial, wait, there's more. <laughs> well, Paul's not done quite yet. Verse 6 is amazing, but he's got something else to say in verse 7. He says, Each of you should give what you have decided in your heart to give, not reluctantly or under compulsion, for God loves a cheerful giver. That makes me think of a couple months ago. Uh, my my eight-year-old daughter and I, Maya, we were playing volleyball on like this 90-degree day with high humidity. Uh, she wanted to play with her daddy, so she grabs the volleyball and we're in the front uh, driveway hitting it back and forth and we hear something, we look across the street and there's our elderly neighbor, Elaine, 
uh, reaching up with like a, a broom, trying to get the, the leaves off of her roof. And I could see her struggling. It wasn't going so well. So we kind of realized it was time for us to help. So uh, I went across the street, tried to use my go-go gadget arms to like help her out. And, and before you knew it, like we got the ladder out of her garage and it turned into this big project and I'm sweeping, like totally train wrecked the special time I had with my daughter. And, and just as I, I get up on the ladder, she runs away from my neighbor across the street back to our house. Not to pout and be mad, not to hide in the air conditioning from the sweltering heat. She ran into our garage to grab her little broom. And as I pulled the leaves off the roof, she swept them into a little pile. And it was hot. I mean, blistering, sweating, uncomfortable hot. And, and she didn't say a word. And we got down and, and our neighbor went inside to, to give us money to thank us. I said, no, no, that's okay. And, and I told my daughter, you know, she wanted to give us money, but I said no. And my daughter said, okay, daddy. And we walked across the street and I was so stinking proud of her. I mean, she did not whine. She didn't complain. She didn't roll her eyes. She didn't get mad. She didn't regret it. She gave to our neighbor with a cheerful heart. And I loved it. I loved it so much, I got out two spoons and a tub of ice cream before mom could come home and tell us not to spoil our dinner. <laughs> and do you realize that that's how God feels when you give? When you see a need and, and you give, when you don't run away from the opportunity, but you see someone in your family or in our community in need and, and you give, like you, you can't see his expression, but Paul says, this is his expression. And he's so proud of his kids who give generously and cheerfully and not fearfully. <laughs> We've made it a, just kind of a habit here to, to clap when we sing and pray and praise and worship when people are baptized. But, but I wonder if we shouldn't start a new tradition of, of clapping as we take the offering, as we join the saints and angels and God himself who are applauding that great moment when we trust him enough to give. I know many of you grew up in the Lutheran church, so that's probably not going to happen. But just think about it. At least clap in your head. Because Paul's not kidding. God loves a cheerful giver. And what you decide in your heart might be small and it might be great. It might be all you have to give and it might be a four-figure check. But God loves it when we think, decide, and we give. Which brings us to the last thing that Paul's going to say today. In my opinion, he's saved the best for last. Look at verse 8. He says, and God is able to bless you abundantly so that in all things, at all times, having all that you need, you will abound in every good work. <laughs> that is so good, isn't it? Like if, if you are afraid to give, if you're nervous, if you're skeptical, just like highlight those words, tattoo them on your arm, God is able. But, but pastor, what if this happens? No, but God is able well, what if my debt snowballs? But God is able. Well, what if this happens with my health? What if I lose my job? What about the stock market? Yeah, but God is able. What is God able to do? To bless you? How much? Abundantly. God is able to bless you abundantly. Why would you give today with all the questions and fears? Here's Paul's second answer for us. Why give? Because God is able. 
And so if you're taking notes, I want you to write that down. I want you to circle it. I want you to put a little star next to it. It's our final fill in the blank. Why give? Because God is able. Uh, in fact, he is so able that, that Paul just has this like monsoon of big, beautiful words for us. Doesn't he? He says, so that in all things, at all times, having all that you need, you will abound in every good work. You don't have to be a pastor to, to sense the repetition, right? At all times, God is able. Divorce times, tax times, braces times, tuition times, uncertain job times, God is able. Up times, down times, rich times, poor times, I have no clue where my next meal is going to come from times. At all times, God is able. At all times, God is able to give you all that you need. Do you know what you, you need to live a secure, stable, happy life? God. If God would become the greatest treasure of your heart, if you would believe not in this dinky, small, lowercase God, but like leave the caps lock on, God who loves me, is with me, forgives me, and accepts me. If you believed in a God who is merciful and forgiving and took every one of your sins to the cross, you would have all that you need. And you wouldn't need a big house, a fancy car, to be respected by people who see how much you have. Your heart would be so satisfied in God and he would be all that you crave. You see, that's why Jesus came. So whether you're rich or poor, you would have all that you need at all times because God is able to bless you abundantly. And that's Paul's message. Don't be afraid. Don't be afraid to give, Corinthians. Don't be afraid to give, Christians. God is able and givers get. So what do you think? <laughs> Are you ready to give? I hope you give in crazy ways. Not so I can get a second suit, right? But so that people can be saved. So people can meet Jesus. And some of you know the story, right? F five years ago, you, you didn't know Jesus. And then you came here. And if you would stand up and tell your stories, you would, you would say to this church, thank you so much for loving people more than stuff. Thank you so much for planting seeds in the ground because it grew into something beautiful. My salvation. There are so many people who, who still don't know. So let's change that 39% to 44, to 49, to 65, to 82 because if God can do what he has done with 39% of us giving, imagine if we doubled it. Imagine if all of us gave cheerfully because we know that our God is able to provide and bless us abundantly because Jesus was not kidding. It is more blessed to give than to receive. But some of you know that. Because <laughs> you were here the last time I, I talked about giving. About six months ago, I stood on this very stage and I encouraged our church to do something crazy. Uh, we called it Break Your Jar. Anyone here for that? Uh, I challenged you in seven days to give $31,128 to a ministry and cause yet to be named. And do you remember what happened? You did it. You gave over $40,000 in one week, but that wasn't even my favorite part. When I got to call up the recipient of that gift and, and tell them that you had given $40,000 even though you had never met, it was so beautiful. But what was so much better was not seeing what you did, but what God did in you. When you showed up that next Sunday, we, we didn't all like mope in a church and say, dang, man, 
$40,000 poorer. <laughs> now we felt so rich and so blessed. And there was such joy and such passion and such excitement. And, and we experienced what Paul and Jesus said. That those who give generously are blessed generously. That it is more blessed to give than to receive. So my brothers and sisters in the faith, don't be afraid of the give root. God will keep his promise and it will produce incredible fruit. Let's pray. Dear Jesus, we love you. We know that because you lived and died and rose from the grave that there is eternal treasure for us in heaven. I pray today that you would give us your Holy Spirit, that we would be able to see things from your perspective. That we would see how incredible eternal life is going to be with you. How short this life is and how much souls matter. God, we don't want a fancy church. We don't want more money for us. We want your name to be so beautiful that people would give up everything and treasure you. That they would lay down every crown at your feet, everything this world could buy, and they would realize that you are worthy of everything we have to give. God, I'm so grateful for the generous people in our church's past. For those who have sacrificially given, not because they had to, but because they wanted to. For their faith and their confidence, we, we thank you. We would not be here without them. And I pray, God, now we can take that baton and run with it. There are people we pray five years from now that are going to meet Jesus because we give. So God, free us from fear, free us from reluctance, free us from compulsion for everyone who is able to give. Let each of us decide in our hearts and not be afraid because you love and bless those who cheerfully give. Jesus, we pray this all in your beautiful saving name and all God's people who agreed, join their voices and they said, Amen. You do not want to end up like this tree, uprooted after a storm. And that's why I wrote this new book that I'd love for you to get. It's called Rooted, Your Sure Hope in the Storms of Life. None of us can prevent the storms of life. We go through hardship, pain, and suffering. But when you have good roots in Jesus, when you're connected to his word, his promises, you can hold on to your peace, to your hope, even your spiritual joy in the toughest times of life. And that's why I believe you need this new book called Rooted. This book is our way of saying thanks for your support as we connect more people to God's grace. Get your copy by calling 800-661-3311, visit timeofgrace.org, write us at P.O. Box 301, Milwaukee, Wisconsin 53201, or text the word TIME to 313131 to give today. In the Gospel of Luke, Jesus talks about the incredible impact that earthly things like money can make. You know, no one can buy a ticket to get into heaven, but when we support the spread of the gospel, more and more people can hear about the Jesus who is the ticket to heaven. So especially to all of you who are our Grace Partners, who make a monthly donation, thank you so much for your support. My wife and I actually joined you this past year, deciding to support this ministry as we got more and more connected to it. And we would be honored if you would join us in that journey. I had a chance on social media to connect with a young man from the Dominican Republic and share the gospel of Jesus with him. At the same time, a man reached out to our ministry from Pakistan, grateful that we were talking about Jesus. All these races and all these cultures, and yet we come together on the one thing that matters most, the gospel of Jesus. Now, we would be honored by your monthly gift that helps us to take the message of Jesus and give more hope and more peace and more joy to more people. Now, would you consider supporting our mission to spread the gospel to all the nations? Time of Grace doesn't end here. We offer so much more. Visit us at timeofgrace.org.
you'll discover resources to help you in your walk of faith. These include blogs, Grace Moment devotionals, and our prayer wall. You can also stay encouraged with our daily video devotionals. Connect with us on social media. Join our Facebook group where you'll meet a strong community of believers. Follow us on Instagram and get an inside look at our ministry. And if you need someone to pray for you, call us or visit our prayer wall. Thank you so much for your support. We'll see you here again next week. The preceding program was sponsored by the friends and partners of Time of Grace.